Matthew 5, 13. All right, Brother Patton, read it for me now, please. Ye are the salt of the earth. Ye are the salt of the earth. Let's all say, I am the salt of the earth. All right, read. But if the salt hath lost his savor, yes. Now, if it's lost its influence, if it's lost its influence, let's all say influence. See, salt is a preservative. Salt is a seasoning. Salt draws. We used to take salt and put it on animal hides to cure them. We used to put salt on meat to keep it. We'd salt it down in a brine and it would keep it from spoiling. Salt draws poison out of a sore. Isn't that right? Cut your foot or your finger, you can put it in some salt water. One of the best things you can do for a sore throat, and I'm an expert at this. I know about sore throats. Every week, I have a sore throat every week. So I know a little about this. Scope won't do it. Uh, Listerine won't do it. Even though it tastes that bad, it still won't do it. But I'll tell you what will help more than anything is salt water, at least in my situation. For however my voice is strained or throat is sore, if I gargle some salt water and some warm salt water, maybe a little lemon now and then, salt water will do more for my throat than anything else. It draws the poisons out. You can put a festered sore down in the salt water, and it'll draw the poison out of it. Amen? Ye are the salt of the earth. Home one time we got some salt that lost its saltiness. And so we all sat down to dinner. Now, this would suit Brother Wright and some of these other folks all right, because they, they, don't, they don't use salt. That's how he got so skinny, is, is not eating salt and a few other things, like cake and food. <laughs> But <laughs> sat down to dinner, and we all shoved a fork in our mouth after a word of prayer, and we all just sat up and looked. You know, Mama's cooking had been the same for years, and all of a sudden, she, she flunked the course. She had failed. The flavor wasn't there. It wasn't salty. I said, hey, you didn't salt this, Mother. She said, I did salt it. Daddy said, well, it doesn't taste salty. We all looked around. She said, well, she said, I salted it. So she got the salt shaker. She put it on the table, and we all salted it down real good and took another bite. It still wasn't salty. So we passed it around one more time, and it still wasn't salty. After a while, my daddy took that cap off the salt shaker. He said, it's not salty. He said, it's lost its savor. It's lost its influence. It's lost its ability to draw, to pull out the flavor. It's lost its ability to preserve. Now, I believe this scripture is speaking in the light of making men thirsty. The reason I believe that is because in the same text and connotation it goes on and says, 
Ye are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. So I believe this is speaking concerning our influence in the world. I've heard enough sermons preached about this enough ways that we could all go into a spasm. Let us conclude this tonight by saying that this scripture speaks to the church concerning its influence on the lost, on the world. All right, Brother Patton, it's lost its savor. Read. It is thenceforth good for nothing. If the church loses its influence in the world, it is of no value anymore. It's good for nothing. Read. But to be cast out, to be and, cast to, out. and to be trodden under foot of men. To be trodden under foot of men. Thank you. I have... Uh, my text is, Ye are the salt of the earth. So that's simple enough to remember. I have watched the church of the living God, the militant, mighty, name-bearing, banner-waving, spiritual singing, glorifying, shouting church of the living God amount to exactly zero to the world for a long time. They managed to trod us underfoot. Then I compare that with the text. I'm speaking in generalities, of course. There are churches, places, and times when the church has been, has been extremely more than that. But generally, I have observed the, I have observed the message of life, strength, power, blessing, healing, miracles become a reproach because of the because of the lives that people live, the attitudes that people have, the narrow concepts and confines of mental activity that people walk in and live in until I, uh, I want to compare that with the scripture that says they could not withstand the power, the boldness with which the apostles spake. I want you to note tonight that the, the New Testament church firstborn was not powerful because of an extreme education. It was not powerful because of association with uh, certain types of people. As a matter of fact, one of the opening statements that gives us an insight into the people's attitude of the church was they marveled because they perceived that these were ignorant and unlearned men. But they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Which lets us understand and see that these apostles and disciples of the Lord Jesus in that early church did not depend on a good deal of education. They did not depend on a good deal of charisma. They did not depend on personality acts. They didn't depend on theatrics or sensations. They had the goods and they knew it. They had God and they weren't ashamed of it. And they did one thing that the church today has trouble doing. 
They destroyed their self-image and lifted up Jesus Christ. The early church didn't understand the tug of war that is waged in the average congregation today. They were not acquainted, evidently, with the throes and convulsions of, of uh, spiritless worshipers, uh, people who just sat back to enjoy. Oh, as time progressed and went on, we can see that in time the churches were reprimanded by the Spirit of the Lord for their laxness and laziness and Laodicean attitudes. But that early church, you take the book of Acts and look through it, and you'll find that they were, they were a swarming group of people that could not be resisted. The Bible says that when Stephen spoke, he was a deacon. He wasn't an ordained preacher. He didn't have a, he didn't have a, a, a fellowship card. He didn't belong to anything but the Lord, I guess. But when he preached, the Bible said they could not resist the wisdom with which he spake. Philip went to Samaria, and the Bible says that he turned the whole town upside down, preaching that Jesus Christ was the Lord, healing the sick, amen and performing miracles in the name of the Lord. And the Holy Ghost didn't come on any of them, so he called for the apostles. Peter and John came down when they laid their hands on them. This man had limitations. This man's ministry had limitations. It did. He didn't possess, in some ways, what the apostles possessed. Because he evidently had prayed for folks to get the Holy Ghost, and they didn't get it yet. You say, well, it was just the faith in those other fellows coming. I doubt that. I believe they came with the power, amen, to convince mightily of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But this man performed miracles and wonders in the name of the Lord, which shows me that it should be simpler for you to receive a miracle than to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Because I've seen people receive a miracle that were not completely surrendered to God. I've seen people receive healing who are not yielded to the, to the will of God. I've seen sinners come and be healed and go away and live in sin. But if a man receives the baptism of the Holy Ghost, he's got to clean up his heart and his life and be born again. We make miracles, signs, and wonders way out there somewhere, and the Holy Ghost is a simple matter to receive. We're built upside down. We've got our, we've got our, we've got our quarters in the wrong slot. It should be a simple matter for people to be healed. It shouldn't be a great tug of war. It shouldn't be a great pull. Where are all the miracles? Where are all the signs? They're hidden in your human heart. It just takes one moment of faith in God and anything can happen while I'm preaching the Word of God to you tonight. Hallelujah. You can pass that cancer. You'll have to get up and, and go outside. I believe that God can take that tumor and dry it up and it'll fall off your head. That ought to happen easier than getting the Holy Ghost happen. Philip preached and signs and wonders were done, but he couldn't get them through to the Holy Ghost. Peter and John came down. You said, but maybe they couldn't perform miracles. Don't fool yourself. Simon Peter walked past him and he shouted, passing over them, they were healed. 
I know what I'm talking about tonight. I'm telling you that the church has lost some of its savor. We're living in a destitute condition only because we are not willing to be what God said we can be. You're the salt of the earth. I want to tell you something. Sometimes we put too much emphasis, and I'm guilty of this, we, too, we put too much emphasis on our uh, intenseness, on the fact that people are here that need God. And now that's right, but that should just be common with this church. We ought to know they're here and they need God. You say, well, we've got to put pressure on to get them. No, what we really need to do is we need to worship God to get them. We are what they need. We've got what ought to draw them. We are what ought to pull them out of the poison world. Ye are the salt of the earth. Now, if the salt's lost its savor, then diseases can walk on the church. Sickness can walk on the church. Carnality can walk through the church. Animosities, fears, Unbelief, doubt, can work havoc in the congregation. When the salt has lost its savor, there is no preservative for the saint, and there is no drawing for the sinner. Hallelujah. I said, ye are the salt of the earth. I said, ye are the salt of the earth. You say, but I don't count very much. Every grain of salt that doesn't have salt in it is a waste of space and time to the shaker. It's just going to take that much more effort and that much more meetings and that much more preaching and that much more praying to get done what ought to be done with a few grains of acid salt that can reach out and do the job because it's what it's supposed to be. Every crystal of that thing is charged with iodine. It's got, the, it's got the ability in it to move into the source of the system. Instead of trying to perform to please the sinner, the church ought to perform to please God. Instead of trying to conform to reach the world, the church needs to transform to Calvary. Instead of trying to move into the shadow of the prosperous nominal attitude, the church needs to take a stronger and a mightier stance than ever in gospel truth. We need to be the salt of the earth. Hallelujah. The apostle Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I prophesy over you tonight in this congregation that the day is coming when this congregation will not be a setting stuffed teddy bear waiting for a performance from the pulpit. But I predict to you in the Holy Ghost that men and women will become crystals of living anodized power. Hallelujah! So that every time a sinner sits down beside you, something pulls them over to you. You're drawing them. They can't stand their sin. They don't like their ungodliness anymore. They don't want the world anymore. You had an effect on them. You did something to them. Ye are the salt of the earth. The church and its influence in the world 
will never be stronger than its ability to trust God. I said the church and its influence in the world will never be stronger than its ability to trust God. Because we can say all day long what God can do. But it's only when we can step out on His promises and say, this is what God says to do, we'll do this. And when we do it, we become the living example of what Jesus Christ really is. We are the body of Christ. And if the world is going to see Him, they're going to see Him in the church. If the world is going to hear Him, they're going to hear Him in the church. Hallelujah. You mean in the building? No. In the church of the living God. On the street. In the car. On the bus. On the job. The church is the body through which Jesus Christ deals with the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to preach to you about this tonight. I want to tell you that nobody trained the man with an opera voice to cry, Jesus, thou son of David. He didn't learn that in an institute. Didn't read it in a theology book. What drew out of that man and off his warm vocal cords the hot crying voice of desire and need when he said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. What was it that pulled from his lungs and from his gut and out of the inner side of his soul, a blind man who couldn't see, a blind man who had never seen the light of day, a man who didn't socialize with common people. What could take his inhibited spirit, his, his mind that's unassociated with social living, what can pull out of him an unashamed, desirous, weeping, lunging, cry of anguish, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. How did he know he was there? He's blind. He knew it because there were people around him. People were talking. People were saying. He healed. He did. He does. He can. The salt was working. The salt was working. The salt was working. <sighs> he can. Do you know what he did up the road? Do you know he cleansed a leper? Did you hear he healed a little girl? Did you hear he healed a blind, blind man? Did you hear that? I want to tell you what brought the woman through the crowd. It wasn't a preacher. Amen. Nobody taught her to get on her hands and knees and push her way through the multitude to get to Jesus. It was her desire. Something in the people that surrounded him. Something in the atmosphere about him caused her to do Something that she'd never done before. It hadn't been taught her. She had no examples of it. She didn't read it in the encyclopedia. There was no one, two, three program or diagram as to how to touch his garment. She did what nobody done. She got what other people didn't get. You know why? Because there was enough salt. There was enough desire. There was enough drawing in the multitudes that walked with him. Enthusiasm. Hail. Hosanna. Glory to God in the highest. Back and forth in the streets. You can't... Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You start praising God and lift up Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you, if you do it with a heart that's pure, you become salt. You don't even have to say, sir, would you? He wants to. All you've got to do is lift him up. Lift him up, lift him up, lift him up. And that man's wanting him. He's got to have him. He needs him. The church needs to stop being a performer and start being a practicer of gospel truth. The church needs to stop talking and start dealing in truth. Nothing is more powerful than the church of the living God 
who is uncompromising in doctrine and powerful in worship and enthusiasm. But mind you, the world can walk on a church that can drag through a service, sit through shouting, sit dumb and deaf through the preaching of the Word of God, but you take a church that responds to every motion of the Spirit. Every time the Lord does something, they lift Him up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lift Him up. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ye are the body of Christ. Ye are the salt of the earth. Ye are the light of the world. We're not like other churches. Not supposed to be like other churches. Never a man spake like this man. Never a church acted like this church. Hallelujah. Never a man spake like this man. Never a church practiced like this church. Never saw anybody do like that. Never saw anybody have church like that. Amen. The salt of the earth. The salt of the earth. Oh, we need to throw it out in this city. Hallelujah. Everywhere. People are going to get thirsty. Thirsty. Salt will make people thirsty. Thirsty. They're going to look at young men and say, Ooh, if I could be like that. The dope addict's going to look at the soul set free. And the young man's going to say, I used to be where you are. But the Lord picked me up and lifted me up. He doesn't say it. Well, yeah, I go to the Pentecostal church down the street. That doesn't cure anything. They trod us underfoot. You lost your savor. You don't have any influence in the world. I go up to the church where Brother Hamby pastors. You haven't got any influence in this world. Say, I can't do that because I go to Pentecostal church. You haven't got any influence in this world. No, we don't wear shorts at our church. We, uh, you know, we're Pentecostal. Blame it on the church. Blame it on Jesus Christ. Blame it on God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God. You're the salt of the earth. Let's all stand. Hallelujah. I want to tell you something. I'm headed for the sinners. You can sit around and scratch each other's backs if you want to, but I'm headed for the sinners. Headed for the lost. Lift up Jesus Christ. The church ought to be a convulsion of power. Glory, excitement, enthusiasm, singing, hallelujah, Holy Ghost, wonderful. Thank you, Jesus. Lift him up. Lift him up. People are going to want him. People are going to need him. Let's worship the Lord together, shall we? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hear the salt of the earth. Hallelujah. I'm going to go to the center. I'm going to reach for the sinners. So how are we going to win them? By shouting and singing and talking in tongues. Preaching the Word of God. Say, so, well, you've got to kind of get down here on something they'll understand. They'll understand that. That's the only thing they will understand. You say, you're going to run people off. They're the kind that won't come anyhow. But the hungry man will come when the church worships God. 
Well, that's all, ladies and gentlemen. That's it. That's it. You're the salt of the earth. Either that or you're cast out underfoot. You're either on top or on the bottom. <laughs>